0: the scripture reading today is from first corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 through 16 and i'll be reading from the new king james version now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by god these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the holy spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Last week I talked about RSVP. S'il vous plaît. Please respond. And I talked about that in light of things like sign up sheets and commitments and getting involved in some way with the body of Christ, accepting the invitations that we all do socially and collectively and part of ministries and so forth here. But the key was tied to the notion that Jesus says, In Revelation 3, he stands at the door and knocks. He tells us already that we're a group of people that he loves, but he tells us that we're lukewarm. We're neither there or not there. We're just kind of... And he says we have this illusion that we're living with, this illusion that we are rich and in need of nothing, that we are... uh, that we've got it all together, but the reality that we actually suffer is really um, shocking, as the passage tells us that we're poor, blind, pitiable, and naked. Yikes! And then there's counsel given, and so in this little recap, what he says is, he says, "Look, we can fix this. You don't have to be poor, blind, pitiable, and naked." Buy gold. Get white raiment from me. Put eye salve on that you may see. It's I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if you'll open the door of your heart, I will come in and I will sup with you and you with me. Now this is really important. And I could preach a whole nother sermon on the Old Testament meaning of hospitality. But you, if you had an enemy in your home, you were obligated not to harm him but to protect him. And he certainly wouldn't raise a hand against the host. This was a place of hospitality and giving and safety. Sacred safety. And Jesus says, I'm going to come in and I'm going to make my dwelling with you and you're going to make your dwelling with me. And it's going to be a safe place for us to be together. It's an amazing promise. It's an amazing thing he wants to do. So today I thought I'd talk for a few minutes about what happens when you open the door. Many of you know Milton well. He's an interesting guy. Thoughtful guy. We were talking about last week's sermon a little bit. And he says, you know, I have the feeling a lot of us... Open the front door of the heart where Jesus is knocking, and we're visiting for a few minutes, just kind of checking the situation out. And we get another knock on the door, and we kind of want to open it. We want to figure out, well, what else is happening out? What, what's the? What, what? What? Something's knocking here. What? I better go check it out. So we say, hey, Jesus, um, got to check something for just a minute. Why don't you take a look around? Hey, here, here's the backyard. Uh, there's a nice bench over there and a uh, swing and You know, just, just, uh, I'll be right with you. And we kind of usher Jesus right back out the back door of the heart into the yard and forget him there while we open ourselves to the next new thing. Sound familiar? I thought it rang true. But as much as we do this, the invitation still happens. He just makes his way down the dog run, opens the side gate, comes around the front door and starts knocking again. And I'll tell you what, he's not afraid of your Rottweiler. He does one of these little things like, you know, Paul, what's his name, the crocodile guy. And that dog just lays down and puts himself on his back and starts, starts yelping. Jesus is Lord of all. And he knocks at that door again. And even though he's Lord of all, he's not going to force his way in. He's not going to stand at the back door and break back in or climb in through a kitchen or bedroom window. He's going to come around and knock again because he wants to live with you and have you live with him. Isn't that compelling? Well, when we think about transformation, a lot of things come to mind, and all of the texts so far have sort of built to that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice, as wholly committed. Go in this thing all the way. The scripture reading taken from 2 Corinthians, speaking of the mind of Christ and how it is that we become infused with his grace, his spirit, his perspective. But I would like for you to turn to Matthew 5. I'm grateful to Eric Thornburg who had a uh, little calendar that had a Max Lucado quote that I'm going to read to you and then preach the outline of. It's called The Applause of Heaven. Rejoice and be glad because you have a great reward waiting for you in heaven, Matthew 5.12 says. And here's what Max Lucado writes. Matthew 5 describes God's radical reconstruction of the heart. First, we recognize we are in need. We're poor in spirit. Next, we repent of our self-sufficiency. We mourn. We surrender control to God. We're meek. So grateful are we for his presence that we yearn for more of him parenthesis we hunger and we thirst We forgive others that's to say we're merciful We change our outlook We're pure in heart We love others We're peacemakers we endure injustice. We're persecuted. It's no casual shift of attitude. The more radical the change, the greater the joy. Isn't that wonderful? I thought that was very, very powerful. Now, I want to offer a little corrective. We have to open the door. And I'm sure Lucata would agree. We have to open the door, and we have to make our, our space open to him. And we have to give him presence and time and permission to do these renovations of the heart, to use the Dallas Willard phrase. But I want to tell you that we don't change anything. He changes Everything. And when he says he wants to come in, one of the things that he wants you to do, wants to do is draw you closer to himself. I struggle with the metaphors I grew up with of Jesus coming in with a broom and sweeping the corners of my heart. Seeking out sin, as it were, and getting rid of every last one may in fact be what happens. But when I think about Christ in my heart, I'm not looking to my own perfection as a goal. I'm not looking to achieve some kind of state of sinlessness for myself. I know who I am. What I'm looking for is the strength to open myself to the changes, the radical changes that he wants to bring. Not of the little things that I've uh, held on to or the quirks that uh, are unpleasant about who I might be. Not the petty sorts of things, but the reformation. You see, the psalmist describes it. He says, take my heart. It's a heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. We know what that means. This heart of stone is unresponsive, isn't it? It's hard, isn't it? The door is welded shut, isn't it? The miracle of grace is that we who are programmed from birth... To the wrong side. We who are given or naturally uh, attended to hearts of stone are given hearts that can respond to God. We're given hearts of flesh. And He longs to come in and make His dwelling there in this heart of flesh that He gives me. Ah, so the challenge is to keep myself open because you know what? In some ways I hate change, especially when it involves pain. Last week I was sharing a little bit about some of my pain. I wake up at 5.30 and I actually wake up at 5 to 5 and I get my athletic stuff on and I rush off to boot camp and I'm three minutes late and this 20-something-year-old punk who can run up a mountain tells me to drop and give him 20. There is a carnal man living inside of me that could hurt him. Now, because of his physical conditioning, I'm confident he could hurt me back worse, so I drop and give him 20. Girl style. If he wants me to do it boy style, we're going to be there the whole hour together. And let me tell you, people, it hurts. It hurts. We're at La Cunada Country Club. It's all dark. And the hills go up and down like this. And we're running. And I wasn't a good runner when I was many pounds thinner. It hurts. <laughs> Up the hill. Calves on fire. It's pain. When it's all over with, I'm really glad. I, I love how I feel afterward. But, and, and slowly but surely, changes are coming. My endurance is improving. I'm able to do more of the strength exercises. and I'm getting better at stuff. Change is, is coming, but not without pain. And I think that's why I've not done this for 20 years. Pain. Who likes it? Who needs it? Who wants it? How many of you are into pain? Don't answer that. No, I don't. And so I think we do this to our hearts, too. We endure lots of other pains because we're afraid of the pain of the change that Jesus is going to bring. Because the shift that he wants to make is spelled out for us right here in the Beatitudes. Right in his opening and and perhaps one of his greatest messages ever. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear that promise? We recognize our brokenness. We recognize our need. And he promises the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We see just how far we have to go, and we're encouraged. We mourn because of our broken state, and we are promised that we will be comforted. We see ourselves for who we really are, just as Peter did in that night of denial when the cock crowed three times and he ran away a broken man. And Jesus says, We will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We repent of our self-sufficiency. You see when we go to renovate our own hearts it doesn't work very well. We just want to put the same furnishings right back in, maybe move the furniture around. You do know the difference between a renovation and moving the furniture around, right? By the way, renovation isn't just painting a wall orange and putting the credenza over on that wall and the TV on another wall. That's that sorry. There's major work to do there. And when we recognize this, when we, when we come to that spirit of meekness, that place of brokenness, that surrendering point, we've discovered what he says it means to be meek. And in that place of brokenness and helplessness, he says, you will inherit the earth. Isn't that counterintuitive? Don't you think you've got to kind of be strong and aggressive and have an agenda and you know all these sorts of things if you're going to get this this Earth thing inherited? I think some of us would do what Jacob did. We'd put hair from a goat on our arms and roll around in the, the sheep pen for a while and go see Dad that way to get the blessing, wouldn't we? We have an agenda. Oh, and to be meek enough to receive God's agenda is difficult until we realize that we're promised that we will inherit the earth. And there does come a point where we want it. I tell you what, after the first week, it was tough to take a day off boot camp. I know that sounds crazy. But Saturday, I woke up at 5 to 5. And my body wanted to move even though that was achy and there was pain. I hunger and thirst for a, a better level of feeling and fitness. And spiritually we hunger and thirst for righteousness, and the promises that we'll find it. Our thirst will be satiated, our hunger will be met. We will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, and Jesus makes it clear in the Lord's Prayer. Depends on the version. But forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It matters not. The concept is the same, is it not? We have fallen short of the glory of God. And when we recognize that others are in the same place and we let it go, we open ourselves up to the sweet forgiveness of God. The merciful are open to receiving mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our outlook will have changed. He will have done a work in us. Our perspective, our desires, we will have changed. Don't confuse purity of heart with a pursued perfection. Perfection. It is the grace of him who lives in you, for he sees us as though we have no sin. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I'll tell you what, it is difficult to love, particularly when it comes to difficult people. But I have to stop and wonder if God doesn't have me on his list of difficult people from time to time. That really stinks. You and I both know better. And yet God seems to uh, have trumped us all at times, huh? But he says out of peacemaking we will be called sons of God. Doesn't that remind you of the passage in John? How great the love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. John was there that day listening to this passage. He had heard its transforming message and its power. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of unrighteousness. I cannot fathom how the martyrs endured. It just, it's absolutely stomach turning. While in Italy this last summer, I visited the Museum of Torture. And what people have endured in the name of God and religion and all, it's just unfathomable. And, you know, we're debating about what cocktail our prisoners should be getting. In those days, People were flayed alive. Just Well, all you'll remember is the torture stuff if I talk about that, so I need to move on. Yeah, I remember that sermon. You told us about... uh, Yeah, okay. I want you instead to remember the change that God wants to bring in our lives. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And once again it says, "For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have come full circle. We have come for circle, full circle. It's, as Max says, not a casual change. It's a profound inside-out, upside-down re-rendering of our hearts. And it's worth it. And he'll do the work. And he'll bring you joy. And great will be your reward in heaven. So my friends, if you're tempted having heard the invitation of Revelation 3 to open the door and see him to the back door and the yard, don't. Whoever whatever else you entertain leave him a permanent fixture in your heart not a guest but a permanent resident not a visitor or a chance acquaintance but an intimate friend and it'll be amazing this shift that we all see to being people who fit this radical description poor in spirit Mourn, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful, the loving, and those who endure persecution.